Blog Talk Radio. Take a licking. <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Just call for super chicken. Welcome to the Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of the Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, national spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds program and editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, Feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All righty, thanks for staying with us today. Wow, it's great to be back uh, in the great state of Georgia. The Chicken Whisperer 2016 Spring Tour, sponsored by Kalmbach Feeds, has come to an end. Man, we had a really, really great time out on the road. We visited six states. We had, I think, 15 events, had great turnout, spreading the chicken love to hundreds of folks uh, on the tour who wanted to come out and learn about science formation about keeping their backyard flock healthy and uh, we just had a great time we were in kentucky ohio um, indiana illinois wisconsin uh, michigan and then of course all the states uh, going up that way and coming back down uh, but we had a great time it was good to see cheryl miller the tour manager uh, with kombach feeds that was awesome and uh, it was good to see her again and all the Kalmbach salesmen. It was great to, to see you again. The dealers were fabulous. They did a fabulous job setting up for the events. 
um, great goodies. I mean, uh, they just went all out for my events on this tour. It was great. It was well-received. I got tons of feedback, a lot of feedback. This is the first tour. We always mention biosecurity uh, as well as keeping your family safe uh, regarding some CDC suggestions, um, and we have materials available for them. Oh, if you come to one of our events, we have tons of free stuff for you. Uh, but this is the first year and first tour that I've actually designated a few minutes of each presentation uh, about biosecurity and, and about keeping your family safe as well. And it was received tremendously. I actually received several emails from folks saying, you know, we never really thought about biosecurity. Uh, we, we, got in, we got so excited about keeping backyard poultry and picking out the coop and the color of the coop and what breeds we were going to have and treats and toys and swings and sweaters and all this stuff <laughs> for our chickens. And we just we never saw the information or needed to be uh, know that we needed to be aware of biosecurity, keeping our flock that we care so much about safe from infectious poultry diseases by having a good backyard biosecurity plan, and then how we can keep our family safe from some diseases that the birds can also give us. So um, I, I received emails from it. Lots of folks came up and mentioned that and never heard about that. This is some great stuff that I can implement in my backyard to not only keep my flock safe, but my family safe as well. So it was a, it was a really, really good tour um, on that. Big crowds, which was super, uh, just had a great time. We're already looking actually forward to and starting to plan the fall 2016 Chicken Whisperer Tour, uh, starting to plan that with Kalmbach Beads. It looks like right now, of course, very, very tentative, um, maybe southeastern United States. So we're looking at maybe Georgia, North and South Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, and Florida. But again, I had to cancel my Florida tour back in February. Uh, due to the death of my father, and um, it was like uh, I was planning. I even was posting. I said, hey, I'll see you tomorrow night. Uh, looking forward to these events. And then uh, about midnight, I think it was Monday night, Sunday or Monday night, my father passed away, and so that tour was canceled. So I know the, the five Florida uh, dealers are really looking forward to having me back down there, and uh, uh, they're looking for big crowds and, and I'm just really looking forward to that. So that'll probably we'll probably pick that up in the fall as well as getting those other states um covered as well. Hey, we got a great show lined up for you today. I've got poultry veterinarian Dr. Maurice Pateski. He's out of UC Davis out in California. He's just a brainiac when it comes to uh small flock poultry and uh, he writes for our magazine. Uh, he's been we've been working with him for um, uh, probably a couple of years now, and uh, he also uh, contributes to the Fact or Chicken Poop dot com page. And so um, we we get his feedback and his expertise whenever we have something that's posted on a blogger forum uh, that needs to be challenged. So uh, uh, we love having Dr. Pateski on, and he's such a big asset uh, to the to the Chicken Whisper brand, both, again, from writing articles for the magazine uh, over to providing feedback for Factor Chicken Poop, coming on the podcast radio show once a month. So uh, we're really fortunate to have him and his expertise. And today we have a really unique show. We're talking kind of all about the egg. And, and, and I know this is probably the top reason why a lot of you are keeping backyard poultry is that wonderful, protein-rich, healthy, the perfect food, it's called sometimes, egg. And we're going to talk about, I don't know if manipulation is such a good word, but how uh, you can maybe 
um, manage your eggs, determine uh, the quality of your eggs, what's in your eggs, by the hen's diet. We've all heard about, oh, if we add flax, a flax seed or, or a feed with flax in it to their diet, high in omegas, then the eggs may come out with a higher omega um, omega-3s and omega in them. Uh, we've seen studies where they put food coloring in the feed and literally in a day or two, uh, the yolks and in the inside of the egg, red or blue or whatever color you put it in their feed. So uh, it's in there. But we're going to talk a little bit about the science of, of how that works um, and different things you don't maybe want in your egg transferring over, maybe some med, uh, uh, drug residues if you medicate. But we're going to talk uh, really all about the egg and maybe, again, manipulating what's in there by what you feed your chickens. And then we may, if we have time, touch on some of the uh, uh, nutritional importance of what you're giving your chickens, meaning uh, let's throw it out there. We talk about it a lot on the show with the poultry professionals limiting those treats. I know you want to spoil your chickens. I get it. I love my chickens. You love your chickens. You want to spoil them. But as uh, Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, often says on the show, let's face it, folks, let's face it, be honest with yourself, the treats, they're for you. They're not for the chickens. They're for you. They're to make you feel good about yourself, that you think you're spoiling the chickens. And uh, do the chickens really care? <laughs> oh, but my chickens are so happy to see me. Yeah, because you might have a treat for them, right? They eat some different type of food. Um, and um, so we're going to talk all about the day. Very exciting show. Get that pen and paper out during the commercial break uh, so you can take lots of notes because, again, we've got uh, poultry veterinarian. Dr. Maurice Pateski is going to be joining us. And uh, so we'll return right after our first commercial break. Uh, so get that pen and paper. You're going to want to take some notes during the day show. We'll be right back. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. The 
Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The one and a half horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two eight pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary, which makes it virtually maintenance free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardBirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardBirdChickenPluckers.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Calm Bog Feeds. All righty, as we say it, before the break, we've got... Poultry veterinarian Maurice Pateski here joining us. I'm going to head over to the phone lines right now so we can get right on to our topic for today. Uh, Maurice, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Andy. It's good to be here again. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Uh, loud and clear coming in. So I know that it's, uh, for a lot of folks, it uh, seems to be common knowledge that if you're like, hey, uh, because I know what's going into my chicken, I know what's coming out of my chicken uh, and the quality of what's coming out of my chicken. And uh, a lot of folks, and we talked on the yesterday, that's one of the first things they think about is, oh, yeah, I've always read adding flax will increase the uh, omegas in, in my eggs and, and things like that. And uh, so we thought that it might be a good topic to share about how important nutrition is in the diet and how, can it, how it can affect your eggs if you want to uh, manipulate that uh, maybe a little bit. So uh, I'll turn it over to you, and uh, we can get started with our learning today. Yeah, well, again, thanks for having me, Andy. It's always fun to be here. Um so a, a couple things I'd start out with just in the kind of the 10,000-foot level, if you will. Um, and I think we all know this intuitively, but it's always nice to kind of hear, um, you know, sometimes some things that we know just from, from, from people to kind of reinforce things. So the, the simplest thing I could tell people is that good eggs come from good nutrition. Um, and the other thing that good eggs come from are healthy birds. So um, we always want to focus on keeping our birds healthy and, uh, you know, quote-unquote, happy as possible. Um, good nutrition comes from good farmers, and when it comes to nutrition, I think one of the things that we, we kind of have to remind ourselves, we'll talk about some ways to modify the diet today, but one of the things I really want to reiterate is that the commercial feeds that are these total mixed rations for uh, chick starter feeds, for um, pullet feeds and for the layer feeds, and we'll talk more about the layer feeds today, um, are really kind of the baseline of where you want to focus um, your nutrition. So that needs to be the majority, um, at least over 90% of their calories need to come from that 
total mixed ration um, as opposed to, you know, some of the things that people might want to add on, um, chicken scratch, which, you know, obviously I, I know people like giving their birds chicken scratch for, for the reasons that you explained before. It'd be the equivalent of, you know, it's the equivalent, and I think people have said this before, of giving your kids, you know, kind of dessert before dinner um, if you were always going to be um, giving them chicken scratch. So we want to be responsible, obviously. We, we, we want to be creative, too. Um, but I just want people to realize that all the hard work has been done for us um, when we buy some of these commercial layer rations. Um, they're well-balanced. Um, they've got the necessary um, nutrients. And not only do they have necessary nutrients, they're in the right ratios. So um, that makes things a lot easier on our end. If you really wanted to be creative and you had a lot of time and energy and brain power on your side, um, you could certainly come up with your own uh, balanced total mixed ration, but that would be challenging. Um, and, and takes a lot of energy and effort to do that. So before we kind of go off on some of these kind of interesting ways we can, we can modify um, the egg yolk color and uh, the nutritional content of the egg, I just want people to realize that uh, those commercial diets are there for a reason, and uh, especially when it comes to laying birds, uh, they put so much calcium into their shell that if we really start displacing their poultry feed, um, with um, significant amounts of other um, additives, um, we can really run into some uh, health problems and some nutritional diseases in the long run. So <clears throat> with that caveat, um, there are some really interesting things. I mean, eggs are a really amazing um, kind of product, and I think it's, it's, it's kind of fun to, to read about and for people to do um, all the different ways of manipulating egg yolk color. Um, and it's, it's a fairly easy process. And, you know, when you look in the literature, um, egg yolk color is really important to people. So there is something, if people want to Google it, called the Roche Color Fan. And the Roche Color Fan is nothing more than um, it's a, a scale of 1 to 15 uh, different uh, color intensities that uh, reflect the color of the yolk, uh, one being uh, kind of a pale yellow and 15 being a much darker kind of red orangish color. So what people can do is they can, you know, take eggs right now and look at that uh, yolk uh, after they obviously crack the egg, look at the yolk um, and kind of capture, um, you know, on a piece of paper or however they want to do it, what their uh, color of their yolks are right now. And then they can start manipulating the diet. And um, there's all different types of ways of doing that. And I kind of did a little lit review last night to kind of look at what some people have, have done. Um, so there's one where you can add orange peels um, to your chicken feed. Um, and usually what they suggest to do is you just take the orange peels um, and you dry them and then grind them and then add them to the chicken feed. And those orange peels, um, to show you basically the chickens, that, 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 that good eggs come from good nutrition, that, that the, what they're eating is, goes directly to, their, to, to, to the eggs, um, those orange peels will, will produce a uh, very um, um, orange type of um, egg yolk. Um, so it usually takes about a week or so to really get those the, the true kind of color change. But using that Roche color fan is a nice way to really characterize it and visualize it. If you have a memory like mine, which is not the best always, um, it's always nice to capture things using pictures and things like that so you can kind of understand how you're, how you're manipulating color. The one thing I want to remind people, though, is you want to use 
don't displace a majority of their feed with orange peel because obviously then um, you're going to run into problems with respect to uh, the quality of the eggs, which is obviously something we don't want to do at all, and those can result in all kinds of health problems for your, for your chickens. So mm-hmm. you only want to go up to about a maximum of 4% of the total weight of the feed they consume on a daily basis being orange peel. So what you could do is you could weigh 10 pounds of feed, and then 4% of 10 pounds would be um, the amount of orange peel you would add to that feed and then just um, mix it in that way. Or uh, you could kind of figure out how much they're eating uh, on a daily basis and then calculate it that way. It's probably easier to do the the former than the latter. Um, But you can really, uh, I think my favorite uh, color just that I was reading about is you can actually give uh, red chili peppers um, to your birds um, Mm -hmm. at about 0.5 to 1%. Um, Birds don't really have a spicy sense. Um, so they don't, um, it's not something that they would, um, appreciate, uh, as far as any kind of, uh, spiciness, but red chili peppers, if you, if you put those into them, um, that can cause, um, a really dark red, orange colored yolk, um, which is, um, very appealing. And if you look kind of online, at some of the pictures, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty dramatic and pretty impressive, uh, kind of coloring. The one point I want to make is that these things are more on the, kind of consumer side as far as what consumers like and don't like, what backyarders like and don't like. Um, but you can be, you know, pretty creative. And I've seen at some farmer's markets, um, some people that, that they'll sell their eggs, that will have an egg cracked out and will show, you know, that the nice uh, yellow color that most consumers um, um, seem to like a lot. In the, in the, in, in the conventional kind of commercial poultry world, they'll add a uh, chemical, not a chemical, but they'll add um, uh, what's called marigold. And marigold is just a, um, an, an, an extract from the flower marigold. Um, and you'll see that in a lot of um, commercial uh, backyard uh, layer rations. And that marigold basically uh, creates this nice yellow um, egg color. Interestingly enough, you get the same thing in broiler meat. So, um, in the U.S., the broiler meat that, that we like, the color that we like is more of like a pale white. But if you go to other mm-hmm. parts of the world, especially in Latin America, and you look at their poultry meat, um, the poultry meat will actually have a yellow tinge to it, and that's because consumers in Mexico are used to um, that and, and, and want that kind of yellowish hue to the meat. I would look at that, and I would think that there was something wrong with that bird, like there was some kind of liver disease. But the reality is it just, it just reflects what they were eating um, probably a week or two before they went to, um, to slaughter. So you can manipulate meat also, but um, obviously for the um, people that are listening today, I'm, I'm sure most people are more interested in, um, in the egg side of the, um, uh, the, uh, the, of the poultry equation. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out is you know, that the, the egg color – is, is, is important to people, and, and, and while it might not be as important from a nutritional perspective, um, you know, we obviously um, eat with our eyes, and it's, it's really important, I think, for, for us to not just, uh, for scientists like myself, to not just um, kind, of, um, kind of ignore uh, the aesthetics of how the yolk looks. It's, a, it's an important uh, part, and, and eggs are such a nutritious um, and low-calorie, low-salt um, a low-fat diet that um, we want to make sure that they're as appealing as possible so people are consuming those 
um, as mm-hmm. part of a healthy diet. So I, I think sometimes we have a tendency to say, oh, it's just consumers on the science side. say, oh, consumers want it to look this way, but we'll make it look however they want. But the reality is it's actually pretty important to make food obviously look, look appealing, especially mm-hmm. a, a food that's so healthy like eggs. Um, so the other kind of part of the equation is, like, how do you start modifying uh, their diet in order to um, affect, you know, some of the nutritional qualities that we're keen on? Um, so you can manipulate the um, omega-3 and omega-6 uh, fatty acids that are going into the layers diet. Um, and that's a really important thing because uh, the more research that's been done on uh, diet uh, seems to imply that omega-3s are very important uh, for uh, cardioprotective properties, um, and they seem to be associated with, if you have high levels of omega-3 in your diet, they seem to be associated with decreases in triglycerides, which are fats and cholesterol, and that seems to also be associated with decreases in blood pressure. So um, changing the fatty acid profile of the feed changes the fatty acid profile of the eggs, um, which is obviously what we would be consuming and is obviously um, somewhat beneficial. So when you look in the literature, there's actually a lot of different supplements that can be added um, to feed that seem to have some benefits. Um, The one that kind of came up the most in the literature kind of from doing you know, what a scientist would refer to as kind of a meta-analysis, just looking at all the literature and trying to see what comes up the most often, is our chia seeds, um, which are these tiny black seeds, if you're familiar, from a, um, from a plant called uh, Saliva hispanica, um, which is apparently, I had not known this, is related to mint. Um, <clears throat> so those chia seeds uh, seem to have, um, among other things, um, higher omega-3 fatty acids than um, other Um, supplements that you might try to put in there. And interestingly enough, the nice part about the chia seeds, and it kind of makes sense, is they they have a longer shelf life than some of the other um, supplements or other things that you might want to add that are also high in omega-3s. So one thing we worry about with feed, especially with supplements and feed, is uh, shelf life. And um, what can happen is if you take your, your poultry feed, and let's say you've got it in a garbage can, nice and secure so no rodents can get in there and spread any diseases, um, and, and you don't want any moisture in there because obviously moisture can cause mold, which can cause a lot of problems too. But that feed, even if it's kept nice and secure, uh, the heat, especially this time of year, um, the heat can actually start breaking down some of those fatty acids, and the feed can actually turn rancid and you can lose a lot of your feed quality. Um, and that's another reason your, egg, your, your birds might have a lot of problems. If they're not consuming the amount of calcium and phosphorus that they're supposed to every day, um, they're, the eggs that they're going to be producing are going to have um, uh, less calcium than required. And birds are, are very altruistic in the sense that the, the, any calcium they have goes straight to the egg. It doesn't go to their bones first. It actually goes to... Um, the egg first. So they prioritize the egg over their own body. So it's very altruistic of them to do that. They're kind of um, sacrificing, if you will, their their selves for the egg. Um, So that could be a problem because if they're not getting the proper amount of calcium, um, they can have then bones that are very limber. Their beaks might be kind of bendy. um, And those are hard things to potentially recover from. But you would see that probably at a flock level if you were having uh, any problem there. 
Um, but the chia seeds, for those two reasons, for one reason that it's got a very desirable omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acid ratio, and the second reason that it's, it seems to have a, a slightly longer shelf life than uh, some of these other uh, supplements, uh, seem to be um, kind of intriguing as far as what people could potentially add uh, to diet in order to um, um, increase the omega-3s to omega-6 ratio. And that they've done studies where they've looked at chia seeds relative to other um, kind of feeding supplements like flaxseed and rapeseed, sunflower seeds, soybeans and maize, um, and other things like that. And they seem to have a, um, uh, there seems to be some kind of consensus on that. So there are other things you can add to the diet um, to manipulate cholesterol, like I just mentioned, some of those other seeds. Um, And some of those are more cost-effective. So I would tell people that they should consider that. Um, you know, cost is obviously an important thing um, to consider. Um, so uh, I'm a big fan of not making perfect the enemy of good. So if you wanted to add something other than chia seed that, that seems to also have benefits as far as omega-3s, like flaxseed, then that would certainly be good. I know there are some commercial diets now that um, will um, will offer the kind of uh, omega-3 uh, sources. Um, one of the things I would not add, um, and just need to be careful about it, are fish uh, fish oils. So fish oil, as, as a lot of people know, um, have high omega-3 fatty acids. Um, the only problem is if you add fish oils above 3 4 5% of the diet, um, those fish oils will actually, the, you'll, you'll get a, um, or what we call organoleptic, um, uh, not organoleptic, excuse me, you'll get a, um, a, a smell um, that is, is probably not... Um, uh, appetizing to most of the, the, the viewers out there, listeners out there. Um, so fish oil can be used. It's used in a lot of other parts of the world where fish meal is um, relatively inexpensive. In the United States, fish meal uh, is relatively expensive as a, as a source of animal feed, so it typically doesn't get used much here um, for the two reasons that I mentioned, one being cost and two being if you do your math a little wrong and you add a little too much to it, um, it can be a problem. And then fish oil can go rancid, as we probably all are familiar with, um, and that rancidity then um, will make the, the feed um, unappealing and uh, your birds won't, won't eat it at all. While it's on my brain right here for a second, because um, I'll forget, and you talk about fish, it reminded me, this question is asked, um, I wouldn't say frequently, but it does come up from time to time on the blogs and forums, and that is um, uh, I have a family member that's allergic to peanuts. Can I feed my chickens peanuts and then have them eat the eggs? They're allergic to shellfish. Can I feed them uh, shrimp? And then can, you know, is that going to affect uh, somebody eating the eggs? That, that always uh, seems to come up. And I don't have an answer for them, so I have you on to, to kind of maybe if you if there's been research done on that or if there's a uh, out there in in the professional land say well there might be or basically whether it be peanuts or fish or what other allergen there um, based on feeding your chickens and then have them eating the eggs. It should not be an issue. I'm I'm not a human physician, so I'm not going to definitively say that you can do that. I think most families, obviously, if they have like a peanut allergy, there there would be very rare for them to have peanuts in the household at all. Um, mm-hmm. But hypothetically, could you feed something to an animal that then the um, the animal would metabolize, and that would be my hypothesis: the an- animal metabolizes whatever that allergen would be into completely different constituent chemicals, proteins, and sugars, and things like that. Um, um, that would that would make it. Um, 
it, it would be it would transform that chemical in a way that uh, that allergen in a way that it was no longer an allergen. Um, now, the only other thing that that I would mention, and we might have talked about this a little before, is that <clears throat> antimicrobials um, those don't get metabolized, or they do get metabolized, but the residues of those antimicrobials can be present in your eggs. Um, and that's why it's really important to work with Farad and with your veterinarian if and when you ever needed antibiotics in your birds. There's literally only about three antibiotics that have zero withdrawal period, um, tylosin, oxytetracycline, and tetracycline. And those are drugs that you could give and then you could collect the eggs from the next day and consume them safely without having any, without having any microbial residues in them. Um, but the rest of the antibiotics would have residues in them. So they don't, they, they, those residues are still um, antimicrobial in nature, and we worry about people consuming those um, because of the potential for them to be exposed to then um, antimicrobial-resistant uh, bacteria. Um, in there with those, if those antimicrobials and bacteria mix together. Um, so to answer your question, um, with allergens, it should not be an issue. Um, but with uh, other things, we need to consider that even when the birds metabolize it, the metabolites of it, like antimicrobials, like antibiotics basically, or, or they are antibiotics, uh, the antibiotics can persist in the egg and in the meat. Um, and uh, I know we have more and more people that are starting to become interested in processing their own birds for, for meat. So mm -hmm. that's something to be aware of. And the other thing I'll mention is while I'm kind of on that line of thought, um, the meat, the muscle itself, um, the residues are less likely to be in muscle. But people that like chicken skin, like I do, um, people that like some of the organs, uh, like liver, um, those can persist for longer in those organs. And all the surveillance that we do right now uh, nationally doesn't look at skin uh, and it does not look at uh, organs like kidney and liver. So if you are consuming those uh, organ meats, which are very high in energy and uh, parts of the world are very commonly eaten, um, you just need to be aware, doubly aware of any kind of residues of antibiotics and things like that that might be present. And to follow up that kind of related, uh, is there any risk of feeding something to your chickens? Because uh, you always hear the, the dairy folks, oh, the, the milk today tasted a little oniony. Maybe uh, Daisy got into an onion patch out in the field. Uh, anything that may carry over to being able to recognize the taste of the, that we fed our chickens something, and now that's that flavor or onions or whatever it may be, fish, uh, ends up in the uh, in the egg uh, as far as the flavor goes. Yeah, so it does happen. Um, onions can certainly do that. You don't want to give too much onion in the first place because um, onion can actually cause hemolysis. It can actually lyse red blood cells if you give too much onion. Um, chickens don't typically like onion from what I've uh, <laughs> seen and heard from uh, anecdotally from some of the backyard producers I'll talk to in California, but fish meal is the perfect example. Um, that gets used a lot in commercial production, and not so much in the United States, but in other parts of the world, like I mentioned. And um, you'll go to these huge feed mills, and the feed mills um, are, um, you know, they're dealing with tons and tons of feed, uh, and that sometimes the math will be done incorrectly. Uh, sometimes because of human error, and it's it's kind of tragic, especially with something like fish meal when they put that into a pellet. Um, it's so obvious that, 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 that all that food has to be basically thrown out because um, the eggs that would come from uh, birds that were fed, layer birds that were fed that fish meal, would, would be um, non-appealing to, to consumers. So absolutely, you can, you can completely affect their, uh, okay. their ration um, by what you feed them. 
All right. I'm done with questions at this point. I'll let you carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think I really want to reiterate because I I know one of the more controversial things that people do talk about is is poultry feed, um, what they should be feeding their chickens. Um, and it's pretty complicated for backyarders um, what to feed their, their, their birds, in part because I don't know one backyarder, and there might be one out there, but most of us uh, who have backyard chickens uh, have mixed-age flocks. And when you have mixed-age flocks, then you're, you're in that very difficult situation of deciding, do you feed your birds? Um, a, do you feed your pullets? If you have pullets in layers, for example, do you feed your pullets a layer ration? Um, or do you feed your layers a pullet ration? So if all those birds are raised in the same spot, how do you um, decide which to feed? If you feed your layer birds a pullet ration, you run the risk of them not getting enough calcium, um, and they can have all kinds of bone abnormalities. Their beaks can get really soft, um, and um, th- that can, uh, they can have more broken bones excuse me, as a result of that. If you do the opposite, if you have, again, a mixed-age flock where you have pullets and layers uh, in, the same, um, in the same area where the feed is, and you use a layer ration, uh, now you run the opposite risk. You're giving your pullets way too much calcium, and that can cause all kinds of kidney problems. Um, so one of the things that people will ask me about is like, well, should I kind of shoot for the middle? Should I mix the two together? Um, like a lot of hybrids, um, hybrids are not great at any one thing. Um, so, you know, I have seen people who've done kind of that mixed type of ration, and they seem to have been successful, but it's never perfect or ideal. Um, it, it, it is an issue that people kind of need to address and consider, um, and um, it's something that is, is, is important for us to think about when we do have these mixed-age flocks. The other thing I want to kind of mention, and it's kind of a non-sequitur, but um, I know we've talked about this before just um, when we talked on the phone, is it seems like a lot of um, when we think about egg quality, um, one of the things that I, I want consumers to, to think about is it's really important that we understand what we're what we're dealing with as far as um, the, the the food that we're collecting every single day, and it's not a bad idea for people out there just to co- to have like a little Excel sheet at home or to have a little piece of paper um, that every day they write how many eggs they're collecting, um, and if they want they can add on additional information how many of them were in the nest box how many of them weren't in the nest box. How many of them have dirt on them? How many of them don't have dirt and or pooped on on them? Because it's really nice to have that because if and when you do have a problem someday, you want to be able to notice that it's a problem. So if a month or two down the road you're noticing that you don't have as many eggs um, but you can't exactly remember how many eggs you used to have, um, it can be challenging to really figure out what, what the sources of that are. And I think with cell phones now and the ability to take pictures of um, eggs and where they're being laid and, and, and all that type of information, it's so useful to work with your extension veterinarian or your private veterinarian or just yourself and, and kind of the Internet trying to figure out what actually is going on with your birds, whether it's something you know seriously wrong. Um, it's so useful to have that kind of information, and I can't tell you how many people don't do that, and it becomes really challenging uh, for them to even notice changes. So if every single day they're keeping track of how many eggs are being laid, if every single day they're keeping track of, you know, it, like I said, the number of eggs are being laid, and then all of a sudden there's a, a drop in, in egg production, well, that could be signs of disease. 
That could also be a sign that maybe they're not laying and they're going into molt, and we want to know that. It could also be a sign that maybe there's some wildlife in the area, and they're basically figured out there's a good thing there, so they're eating that. So we want to be able to, to identify that as soon as possible because, as everyone knows out there, uh, as, as these problems are much easier to deal with when they're small problems than when they become much bigger problems. So I think it's really important that we, you know, we, we, all the attention that we put into feeding our birds and, and kind of coming up with these kind of interesting rations um, are, are, is also directed in other areas that can be uh, very useful. Um, hopefully for, for their, their bird's health. The last thing I want to mention, I know a lot of people talk about chicken scratch a lot of the time. So chicken scratch is um, it's kind of just a generic name for, for a grain, um, and it's the equivalent. I know we've, we've kind of mentioned this a little earlier in the program, but it's the equivalent. It's, it's very high in carbohydrates and very low in protein. Um, so it, it, it's more of just a, a nice energy source. Um, it's not required, and it's the equivalent of, you know, kind of you and I when we uh, eat chips and things like that. There's not a lot of nutrition in it. There's a lot of energy in it. Um, all, all of us don't need all that extra energy, and our birds certainly don't need that. Um, so it is something that we want to kind of, if we do want to feed chicken scratch and some other things like that, we just need to be very judicious about it um, so we don't cause a lot of nutritional issues. That chicken scratch, that energy, all that energy gets stored in, your, in, in, the, in the bird's liver, um, and those livers can become very fatty. They can get what's called basically a fatty, uh, a fatty liver syndrome. And when you have a fatty liver, um, those, those livers are more likely to um, um, rupture and cause internal bleeding. And I've seen it several times where you'll uh, open up a backyard bird and you'll look at the liver and the color and the hue of it um, is basically, it's, it's, it's basically, a, it, it's been transformed into fat. And the bird, th those fatty livers are not very structurally sound and they can uh, cause a lot of internal bleeding. And a lot, of, a lot of backyard birds will die because of that. So we want to be obviously as, uh, as cautious. Um, there's nothing wrong with giving you know, treats every once in a while to, to our pets, but we just need to be cautious about the consequences if we, if we go too far on that. Hey, I'm going to take a break real quick, and because we, 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 again, we preach that on the road uh, a lot, even when we tour with uh, poultry uh, nutritionists uh, about scratch. One of my scenarios that I like to use is um, people often say, oh, but my chickens love scratch. And I'm like, yeah, well, my five-year-old loves Skittles. That doesn't mean it's good for them. And you know, it's because they love it. And, and I also use that, like, oh, you your chickens love things again doesn't make it great for them and i say now if you've ever visited a poultry diagnostic lab and see everything that they pulled out of the the chickens from nuts screws bolts nails styrofoam and uh, they don't always know what's good for them uh and not good for them and then also mm -hmm. they'll uh so many times, uh, Dr. Pisky, I hear folks say, oh, well, I mix the scratch in with my layer feed. And I'm like, well, now what, what do you think is going to happen tonight when I go out with my family and I sprinkle Skittles into the broccoli for my son? And he's going to eat the Skittles and leave the broccoli. And he's gonna, just like the chickens, they're going to want that scratch because it's sweet. It'll taste good. They'll, they'll eat the scratch to meet that daily energy need, and then they leave all that nutritionally balanced feed back in the feeder bin. So I'm, I am glad you, you mentioned that because we do try to uh, preach that when we're out uh, uh, spreading the chicken love uh, on tour. So I'm going to go to a commercial break here uh, real quick, and when we come back, we'll continue and maybe in, uh, kind of segue into uh, the, the nutrition aspects of it that we were going to uh, talk about um, today. So uh, 
we can do that. Let me see if this is actually going to work. It looks like my switchboard may be down, but I'm going to try to go to commercial, and uh, we'll be back after this uh, short break. Stay with us, folks. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Just a cap full a day directly into their water is all it takes for a stronger immune system. Introducing ePoultry, an all-natural, whey-based soluble that will help improve your flock's overall health. Made by farmers for farmers right here in the USA. ePoultry is a safe, all-natural way to give your birds the strong immune system they deserve. Learn more and purchase at www.eanimalproducts.com. That's www.eanimalproducts.com. Come back. Come back, back. Come back. Come back. Come back, 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 back. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. 
Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Actually, in reality, I am Super Chicken. This looks like a job for Super Chicken. You get the super sauce, I'll don my super suit. Alrighty, thanks for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. We're talking with poultry veterinarian, poultry scientist, uh, Dr. Maurice Pateski out at UC Davis, and we're talking a little bit about um, uh, really kind of manipulating the egg, the nutritional uh, of the egg, what's in the egg, color of the yolk uh, we talked about earlier in the show. We've kind of switched gears a little bit and started talking a little bit more about uh, the nutrition and, and the importance of, of feeding your flock a good, healthy diet, not overdoing it with the treats and the mealworms and the scratch and, and things like that. Kind of like the old uh, spaghetti commercial where, hey, it's in there. Um, these um, commercial feeds, the layer pellets and crumbles uh, that developed by the poultry nutritionist to let you, I tell folks oftentimes, if you feed nothing but this bag uh, from the day they turn 16 weeks of age to the day they die 10 years from now, um, it's in there nutritionally, but the amino acids that they need, uh, the, the protein, the cow, you know, it is in there. But I know you love your birds. You're going to want to treat your birds and uh, occasionally give them some treats. We just don't want to uh, overdo it. So uh, I'm going to bring Dr. Fatiski uh, back on, and uh, he'll continue on, maybe have some things more about nutrition we want to talk about. we got about 10, 12 more minutes to, before we wrap it up. Great. Well, a um, couple more things I wanted to kind of point out. I, I, I try to stay away from all the fancy uh, multi-syllable words. Um, but um, again, with, with <laughs> yes, of course, it's funny, you go to vet school and you learn all these fancy words and then you get out and then you have to use, you know, obviously to communicate with people, you have to use normal words. Um, so it's, it's kind of funny you want to use all these fancy words, but you can't. Um, but I wanted to make a, a couple things. Um, so when we think about these fats and how important the omega-3s and omega-6s, you know, I, I, I think we all have a tendency to say omega-3 is good, omega-6 is bad. The reality is we actually need both of them in our cells. Um, it's really important in our, in our um, in the, what, the, what we call, I'm going to use a fancy word, the plasma membrane, basically, the outer layer of, our, of each one of our cells actually do, does have omega-3 and omega-6s. We just want more omega-3s than omega-6s in our, in our, in our, in our, um, in our body. Um, but one thing I wanted to point out is, you know, you, you can have a lot of diseases if you don't feed your birds properly. Um, and it, it can be done easier than we probably recognize. And uh, one of the things I want to point out is vitamin E um, is one of the fat-soluble vitamins. So vitamin E, when I say fat-soluble, that means it's stored in fat. Um, so if we don't have any fat in our diet, we can't get access to vitamin E. And um, if you have a vitamin E deficiency in your chickens, they can have a, a neurological syndrome when they're chicks um, because vitamin E is very important for brain development in chickens. So what I want to point out is if you have rancid fat, um, so where the um, fatty acids, uh, where these fats get basically um, oxidized or metabolized, um, vitamin E, you get a vitamin E deficiency. And that can happen because you left your feed um, out for a long time in a, in a really warm environment. And eventually, 
um, those fats are, are going to be unstable and they'll break down. Um, and if that happens, your, your chickens can get that vitamin E deficiency. And, and the fancy word is they can get what's called encephalomalacia, which is basically just they'll have a neurologic disorder and they'll be uh, very uncoordinated and uh, they'll have an inability to stand. So you'll see that around three weeks of age. And the one point I want to make is that if you are going to use um, any kind of uh, additional um, seeds in your diet, um, make sure those seeds are very stable. And that's why the chia seed seems to be somewhat appealing because if they do get broken down um, and those fats become rancid, and if you can't detect that or you don't pay attention to that, um, you can have that uh, neurologic disorder as, as young chicks, that vitamin E deficiency. And the other thing you'll notice um, in layer birds um, the, the vitamin E, the encephalomalacia, that's in younger birds. Um, but in, in, in layer birds, when your birds are laying, you can get a vitamin A deficiency. And um, that can result in, among other things, uh, blood spots in the eggs from laying hens. So blood spots are like these little, um, they almost look like uh, when, you, when you're candling your egg or when you crack open the egg, um, you'll see almost like a little uh, hemorrhage uh, and a little blood spot inside uh, the yolk itself. Um, sometimes that could be absolutely nothing. That could just be older laying hens, um, which have meat spots and blood spots, if you guys are uh, familiar with that. In the commercial world, those will, get, um, those will get condemned just because they're not visually appealing, but there's nothing actually wrong with them as far as um, nutrition or anything like that. They just look a little off. Um, but it's important to kind of pay attention to the, the um, egg quality uh, when you crack the egg, because if you did see some of those blood spots, that could be a sign of vitamin A deficiency, and vitamin A deficiency is also fat-soluble. So because it's fat-soluble, one of the things you want to start thinking about then is like, okay, why are these fats not present? Why are these vitamins not present? Because they're carrier. These fats are probably getting oxidized because we're not taking good uh, care of our feed. You don't want to buy too much feed, I guess is my point. So if you buy two, three, four months supply of feed and it's kept in a area that's really hot, somewhere in like in a warehouse or a garage, uh, that feed will go rancid after a while. And you might not recognize that, but that can have a severe effect on nutrition. So it's important to kind of pay attention to that. And the last thing I really wanted to mention just as far as diseases, and we talked about it a little earlier, um, are um, if, you, if you don't have the proper calcium-phosphorus uh, ratio or you have a deficiency of calcium and phosphorus because you've displaced all this feed um, with a different uh, supplement, um, you know, let's say it's scratch or something like that that doesn't have as much calcium and phosphorus or doesn't have the correct ratio of calcium and phosphorus, um, those birds can have um, some significant issues with rickets and, and what we call osteomalacia, which are basically just soft, um, pliable bones. So you can check your, your bird's beaks. Uh, they should not be soft. And, the, um, uh, and if they are soft, that's, a, that's typically a sign that they're not getting enough calcium because, as we talked about earlier, they're sending, they're being very um, uh, unselfish. They're sending all the calcium they have, all the available calcium they send to the egg first. And then once the egg has its calcium to make its shell, any additional calcium then goes to um, meet the physiological needs of the bird. So you can get, in older birds, you can also get these kind of uh, bendy bones that, are, um, that can be distorted um, and can cause a lot of welfare issues because now these birds, are, are, are their bone conformation is not normal. 
is that because um, you hear this a lot on, on the blogs and forums as well, and you even heard it on the show before, just to confirm with you as well, that if they're not getting enough calcium in their diet, that they will pull calcium from their bones to continue making the eggs or the shells. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like the as I, as I said a couple of times, I think it's the perfect example of them being just this amazingly unselfish animal when it comes to um, distribution of, of, of that, that limited resource of calcium. So um, they will, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll prioritize it to the shell, um, and then after that it'll go to the body, which is a pretty amazing thing when you think about it. Uh, we got a couple of questions, actually, that uh, they wanted to ask. One person had a couple of questions, if you don't mind. Erin uh, Brink, her first question was that um, – she was curious about any protein needs uh, regarding um, bantam versus large fowl based on the size of the chicken, whether it be Saramas or the Silkies um, and versus a, a, a Jersey Giant, for example. And then we just seem in the store to have this one uh, choice of layer pellets. Uh, so she was curious based on the size of the breed of the bird. Uh, is that anything to be concerned with whatsoever? Um, you still want the same proportion. So there's two, two answers to that. One answer is there's not a lot of research done on non-conventional commercial poultry as far as nutrition, um, disease resistance, feed conversion ratio, et cetera, et cetera. So there, there are going to be some differences, but I, I, I subscribe to the reality that there, there's more similarities than differences. Um, so using a normal mixed ration is um, probably a uh, would, would be the place to start with, um, which uh, in like a chick feed, you're going to have protein up to about 20% um, because those birds are obviously growing. Um, now, bantams, I, I know what, obviously what they are, but I'm not sure if bantams reach sexual maturity sooner because they're kind of smaller, so they, they reach that kind of um, that point of sexual maturity sooner. So the one thing that you might want to look in the literature and just see is at what point do bantams typically start going into lay because that's when you want to start trying to consider if you normally give a layer ration to a typical layer bird at about 18 weeks, do bantams become sexually mature a little sooner because their 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 maximum size is a little smaller? And you, do you have to start that then around 16 weeks or 15 weeks? And, and that's what I'm not sure about. So that might be a good thing to look in the literature about. Um, okay. Her other question, um, and I think that wraps it up uh, for us, is uh, she read an interesting article concerning free radicals in poultry and how eating more tomatoes, watermelon, and other foods high in lycopene can help with that. And didn't know if you had, had seen any research out there come across your desk uh, regarding uh, free radicals, uh, lycopene, and eating uh, tomatoes and watermelon and other things that may benefit the birds. No, I'm going to have to plead ignorance on that. I apologize. No, it's okay. Yeah, you, there's so much stuff out there. I was sharing the other day, actually yesterday, with you about the, uh, you know, uh, when farmers had well water before we had chlorine in the water and they had a coccidiosis outbreak, they would mix sugar and and uh, bleach when bleach became available and and that type of. So there's there's so much out there and and uh, to be. Uh, familiar with, so uh, no worries. Well, I'll uh, kind of turn it over to you and, and let you wrap it up. If there's anything in your notes that we didn't get to, you think it would be important to share as we wrap up the show today? Yeah, the one thing I didn't get to, to share with people is, um, I just realized it, was uh, oyster shell. 
Um, so oyster shell is a good supplement to add to feed. Some commercial feeds actually have oyster shell right now. Um, it's what, what's nice about o oyster shell is it's um, got high ca calcium, obviously, in it. But the good part about it is um, when your chickens are um, making the shell, um, that's usually when you're asleep at night, um, that the shell um, calcium is really being produced at the highest concentrations. The oyster shell dissolves very slowly or metabolizes very slowly in the, in the chicken gut. So um, if you give them oyster shell in their diet, which some commercial diets actually have now included in it, but if you add oyster shell to their diet, um, especially in older birds when they need a little extra calcium, uh, that calcium in their gut will start going to the egg um, in the middle of the night when, it, when they need it most. Um, so there's a timing situation where oyster shell actually comes in handy, which is something for people to consider, especially in older birds, because older birds uh, start having a little more problems with um, shuttling uh, calcium needs back and forth between the egg and their body. Would it be safe to say, and we'll wrap it up with this, that uh, if someone is experiencing some uh, um, shells that are a little bit softer, they're a little brittle, and, and they do add the oyster shell, and they they still you know, may they notice some eggs are, are have a little bit harder shell, but they're still getting a few that are, are still thin shelled, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, is it safe to say that maybe with some hens they may have some issue where no matter how much calcium you give them, they just can't utilize it enough, or there's an issue with them utilizing it to make a hard shell. So we may just continue from a certain hen that we have in our backyard to get some soft shells from her, no matter how much calcium that bird gets. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I think especially as they get older, um, you know, in the commercial world, most of the birds are around 60 to 70 weeks max. That's that's how long they live. So as you get beyond that, um, those eggs will still get larger and larger and larger, um, and there's only a limited amount of calcium they can put in those eggs. Um, so right. you do run the risk of not having, of basically thinning out, because now you have larger and larger eggs as they're getting older and older. Um, you do run the risk of, of, of thinning out the amount of calcium. If they have some physiological or genetic you know, issue, and there's, there's obviously uh, birds that, that, that are great layers and some birds that aren't, and if we keep pushing them physiologically with supplemental light and things like that, we can certainly run into that problem, uh, absolutely. Okay, very good. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. It was a great show, and a lot of these topics are often talked about out there in the, in the forums and blogs, so it's always good to have an expert like yourself to come on and clear some of this up and, and or even reassure us uh, of some of the things that we do read and see and, and want to know if we're doing it right or maybe we need to uh, incorporate some changes in our backyard for a healthier flock. So thank you very much for coming on today. We'll see you next month. Great. Well, thanks for having me, Andy. It's good to be here. Yep, thank you very much. Uh, again, that's uh, poultry veterinarian uh, Dr. Maurice Pateski out at UC Davis out in California, and he does so much for us here at the Chicken Whisperer brand. From uh, He's a contributor for Chicken Whisperer magazine. He, he uh, replies to uh, a lot of the statements we pull from blogs and forums that we use on factorchickenpoop.com, and he comes on the show once a month, and uh, he's just a, a wealth of knowledge and information, uh, well-respected around the country, and like you said, he mentioned it, but uh, if you look at all the experts we try to utilize uh, here, um, they um, they have a vast array of knowledge, but they they get their point across really well with layman's terms, so we can all understand it. How cool is that? So um, 
Folks, thank you very much for uh, tuning in today. We broadcast Tuesdays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We've been doing this broadcast for about seven or eight years now. We've done over a 1,000 episodes. All of them are archived. If you want to go listen to a a, a segment we did on coccidiosis five years ago, you can find it and you can listen to it. So uh, they're all there. So we have a huge library of information from folks just like Dr. Podesky, Dr. Bridget McRae, Peter Brown, the chicken doctor, folks from the CDC, folks from USDA, uh, and, and everything else. So because uh, we feel it's very important for you to get the science-based, fact-based, study-based information to raise a healthy flock in your backyard, and we try to do that for you. So thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy your weekend. I'm going to uh, – been on the road for six weeks. It's time to sit back, relax, uh, enjoy the uh, family here uh, at the park uh, for the weekend. And uh, But we'll be back Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hope you can join us then and uh, enjoy your chickens in the meantime. All righty. God bless everybody.